TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome into Cogland on this absolutely beautiful day. And I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if it's cold. And I don't care if it's June. And we have all this bad stuff going. Cubs won last night. And more importantly, the Hawks are in the midst of catching the Stanley Cup championship this week. Welcome, everybody. This is two guys in the mic. This is Joel Rodwanski, the coach. Well, of course, this week he's boycotting the first 10 minutes because he thinks he's a psychiatrist and he's only going to work 50 minutes a show. But I'll have to deal with it. You can give us a call at... David Olson, what is the phone number to our to our show? I always forget it. It is 888-463-6748 or 888-GO-FOR-IT. See, I, see, I always forget that it's go-for-it, David, because the simple fact is I have a regular phone, I mean a, a cell phone now, so I don't see the the 2, A, B, C, 3, all that stuff. See, I, and I guess I'm not well, why would, Why wouldn't your cell phone have that? You don't text? Well, I, I do but I have uh, the regular handheld, which is one letter per thing. So I have ah. the regular QWERTY keyboard, as this keyboard is just known as. Do you see where I'm going with? I see where. Yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, so You're that's a bit why more I was technologically up. advanced than I am. So <laughs> when, when, like I'm listening to something on the on the radio, they're like, "Call this in right now," and I'm always like, "Well, I, I guess I can't win this contest." You know, they'll ask a question like, "What is Joe Wanesy's birthday?" And I'm like, "Man, I'm probably the only one who knows that besides my mom." You know, so, well, that doesn't easily work out for me. But it did work out yesterday for the Chicago Cubs because, quite simply, Carlos Silva was on the mound for him. He moves to 8-0. and oh, This is absolutely unbelievable. And, and, and Dane, just wondering if uh, if a team wins in Pittsburgh and nobody's there to see it, does, do the Cubs still get credit for a win? Yes, they do. It's not like the whole tree in the forest analogy. So, oh. yes, yes, they do. they do get credit. Oh, it doesn't work that way? I don't know what the what the actual announced crowd was, but it could have been more than like twelve hundred people. Yeah, I mean, let me, let me to, look that up. I'll look that up for you. Hold on. It, it, absolutely amazing. It was a, a remake game of the rainout from uh, last uh, Wednesday in Pittsburgh. Uh, Cubs go down there. They do uh, get it done because Carlos Silva's on the mound, but there weren't many people, and it was an absolutely gorgeous day to go out to, to PNC Park and actually watch a baseball game. Uh, Silva gets it done. Uh, Tyler Colvin not in the lineup, even though I've been complaining about it. Uh, but uh, Ryan Terrio walked a couple times. Absolutely phenomenal. He had, he had two walks yesterday. Um, uh, Sean Marshall gets a save, and the Cubs win 6-1. to one. Uh, But I guess everybody's attention in this city is on Stanley Cup hockey, and I do not blame them. Uh, you know, they, the, the Hawks have been playing every other game throughout the whole playoffs because in the NHL, uh, hockey players are actually tough, and they only need one day rest. But uh, d- because of television, they finally the NHL has finally acquiesced to television, and they moved this game to Wednesday. And possible, if possible, there'll be a game seven on Friday, and hopefully, we won't have to deal with that. So, uh, going back to the to the Chicago Cubs, uh, there were foul balls yesterday, and there were guys that got two of them. I'm not kidding you. That's how bad it was. There was absolutely nobody in the crowd. If there was any day I could have went to a baseball game, 
uh, it would have been yesterday. It looked like an awful lot of fun. Well, according to the uh, box score here, the attendance was 12,768. Now, you, you do realize that. Oh, yeah, no, they, I realize it's probably paid. Yeah, Doesn't mean exactly. they're there. Exactly. So uh, the, I guarantee you there were, because that would have been one-third of the way full. There were like five, ten sections in a row in the upper deck where there weren't anybody in the whole section. Like, legitimately. I'm not talking about like four or five people. I mean, no one. And and actually, that was about as empty as I've seen a game where it wasn't snowing. There, uh, there was a game where only like 750 people went to the cell back in 97. I don't know if you remember that game, but it was like it was like eight degrees. It wasn't eight degrees. It was like but it was below uh, thirty-two degrees. Yeah, no, I remember that game. I remember. And that. I, and I don't I don't care if you were watching the twenty-seven Yankees. It's difficult to watch a baseball game when it's below freezing out. So I, I could care less about attendance like that. But uh, when when you have a beautiful day like that, Pittsburgh should be ashamed of themselves. But we move on because I guess you know Pittsburgh is in Pennsylvania. Philadelphia is in Pennsylvania, and, and right now some of these stories that you, you hear about what's going on with what Philadelphia fans were doing to Chicago Blackhawk fans in Philly and in, and in the stadium, you brought it up yesterday, Dave, but uh, you, know, you, you didn't get into it too much. It, it, it's embarrassing, isn't it? If you're, a, if you're a Philadelphian who's a normal human being, you should, I mean, you would probably be really ashamed of your city right now, but it seems like those fans, they really just don't care, do they? They don't care about their reputation. They don't care that they might seem classless. I mean, recently Detroit fans even looked good with this whole Armando Galarraga thing, who, by the way, is on the mound tonight against Gavin Floyd uh, at U.S. Cellular Field. Don't these fans have any have any dignity? Does he have any shame, David? That, that get around? I mean, uh, like pouring beers over people's heads just because they had uh, Chicago Blackhawks jerseys on? No, they no, no, they don't, and they're and they're proud of it, and they're proud of it. That's what you know. That's what makes them Philadelphia fans. Uh, you, you know, Dave, I un, I understand. Like, if you want to give somebody a hard time, you know, don't swear at them. You know, make a little fun of them. You know, oh, 1961, you know, or whatever. You know, talk a little trash. That's all well and good, but to physically accost people to try to intimidate them. <laughs> and they're, 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 these are the fans that threw batteries at Santa Claus. Uh, you remember they, that? Uh, you know what? I, I thought they just booed Santa Claus. You're telling me they threw batteries at him? Snowballs with batteries inside. Oh, no. See, that's just garbage. Well, were they upset that during Christmas they got toys? That, yeah, yeah that, it, no, it was, it was something like that. It was, it, was, it was around the holidays at an Eagles game. So, oh, yeah, well, the Eagles fans are just moronic. I mean, those guys have been drinking since, like, well, but, but, Friday but gotta, after they get out of work. You know, you, you, you hate to uh, you know lump everybody in the same category, but Flyers fans, Eagles fans, they're all Philadelphia fans. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So they're all they're all cut from the same cloth. <laughs> well, I, I I felt like all like the jobs and so it was kind of like Cleveland, all like uh like uh, the the blue collar workers, all that stuff are gone. So these are like the white collar workers then that are going to these games because there's no more blue collar jobs left in Philadelphia, are there? Well, just so, because they don't have jobs doesn't mean they can't go to the games. Uh, this, this is a good point. I, I, as I start to channel Lee Elia there. so <laughs> Lee Elia, who was uh, a former uh, Philly manager, and before that he was a Chicago Cub manager, and before he was a Chicago Cub manager, he was up, grew up in the Philadelphia system. And if anybody knows anything about Lee Elia, he may have 
one of the worst sound bites or best, depending on if you want to, what, what you want to look at. But he'll teach you a few new square words in the history of sports. The, the Earl Weaver tirade, if you want, anybody wants to Google that, is probably the funniest and worst of all time. Have you heard that one? Yeah, no, no, I've heard that one. We that, actually that, we actually had Earl Weaver on uh, another program a couple of weeks ago, so we had to call that up. <laughs> yeah, the, the poor guy, I mean, he's won a World Series. He had a winning percentage, like around 58%. Well, I forget poor guy. He's the one who did it to himself. And uh, one of the fine managers of the last uh, 30, 40 years, and all anybody remembers him for is that tirade. But it, his was a little bit humorous, though. I, I have to give him credit for that. It wasn't just pure him just acting like a jerk. Uh, no, uh, the Bobby the Bobby Knight tirade of him yelling at his players because uh, because they lost to Purdue and they're under 500 in the Big Ten. That to me, that's one of my favorite ones because I can't stand Bobby Knight. Dave, but, uh, no, I like the I like the Tommy Lasorda one. What do you think of Dave Kingman's performance? Oh, yeah, that, was that, that, that that's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, and that's when Kingman was playing for the Cubs, and I think he hit three home runs against the Dodgers. Was that what Kingman had done? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And somebody asked him what he thought of Dave Kingman's performance, and he just uh, <laughs> what do you think? I think of Dave Kingman's performance, and that's about all I could say, really. But you know, you had, you can say uh, whatever you want here on two guys in a mic. Uh, you can give us uh, an email at uh, two guys uh, mic at aol dot com, and uh, now you'd be able to check that out. And I'm sure Coach is going to be in any second of it because he's going to. Uh, lift his boycott at the first beginning at uh, beginning of the show, but uh, or you can give us a call again at what's that phone number, David? I, I should write this down. It's eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Or go for it. Correct, correct. And we're not expecting the coach at all today, by the way. Oh, really? Oh no, it's just it's you and me, pal. I tried to tell you that before the show. <laughs> uh, now I've been extremely, extremely busy lately, and I'm not sure if people really could care less about that, but. uh uh, I, I think Coach told me that, and I had like eight things on my mind, and I totally forgot about it. But we can definitely get through this because there is definitely plenty to talk about uh, in the world of sports. Uh, we, we just we're ripping on Philadelphia fans. You know, I brought it up a couple days ago that uh, uh, Michael Irvin one time had uh, he actually got tackled, hit his head on the on the field, and hurt his neck so bad that he couldn't walk. And it was one of those things where he like had a a, a neck sprain. Don't people worry about karma? You, if you boo or chair somebody that is uh, has a really bad injury, don't people fear that that will happen to you? I, I, I always do. That's why I, I like. I don't care if it's a Green Bay Packer or anybody. If I see somebody down on the ground and they're hurt, I'd feel really, really bad about it. I wouldn't cheer it unless it was uh, Brett Favre because I think he's got bad karma coming to him. But that's just me. So, why, why uh, do you, why do you think Brett Favre's got bad karma coming to him? Because the way he walked out on Green Bay. Well, because well, that, that was that was that, that was like they kind of pushed him out and he didn't want to go. Yes, and I don't blame him for walking out on Green Bay, and I don't blame him like for what happens in New York. I just I, I do think he is a, a little bit of a, a media whore, and I, I just as a Bears fan, I just <laughs> he has whooped the Bears butt so many different times that. I'm like, I actually kind of, I, I hope he comes back because I just want the Bears to be able to beat him two more times, kind of make the record a little bit closer. Because I mean, this guy's beaten the Bears like 24 times. I mean, it's like almost impossible. He's beaten the Bears. Actually, I think he's beaten the Lions more than he's beaten the Bears 
it's it's kind of frustrating. But uh, besides Brett Favre, I don't think I'd ha- I think I'd have a real issue being happy with anybody getting hurt. Now I don't want Brett Favre like breaking his neck or anything like that. But uh, I was hoping that he does come back this year and play against the Bears and get injured, and the Bears are the ones who end his uh, consecutive game streak. So you know, as much as I just ripped on the Philadelphia fans. You know, I guess I have a little bit of Philly in me too. So I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it. But, no, nothing uh, wrong with that. <laughs> if I acknowledge it, it's one thing, I guess. You know, yeah, exactly. As long as you admit it. So. And I haven't poured any beers beers on uh, any opposing fan's head. I haven't, you know, uh, maliciously screamed nasty stuff at them. Now, what did you have some examples of stuff yesterday that they've done? Uh, no, I did not. But once again, I can look that up. Okay, because uh, uh, it's no big deal, Dave. I, I thought you, you did. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that you just assume that has happened. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot worse than the few stories that I've heard. It, it was just like some things you can just count on in sports. Like yesterday, before I got home, because I had I had to tape the Chicago Cub game. I just automatically assumed that when there'd be nobody in the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates Park PNC just because it was a makeup game. I get home, put the television on, I'm like, oh, man, there is nobody nobody here. And uh, the reason why they had the, the 12000 because they had, like, the paid attendance where you sell tickets. If they sell a ticket to it, you don't ever have to sit down. They will count you as being at the ballpark, and I'm sure something like that happened. And and knowing Pittsburgh, they uh, – they needed ticket revenue so bad that they probably wouldn't let you reuse that for another game. You had to reuse that for the makeup day. So that's probably what they had to deal with. But, uh, yesterday, uh, I actually was out walking the streets of Chicago, Dave, trying to promote my uh, my television show. And talk about, like, you know, different classes of different people in different cities. Everywhere I went in the city of Chicago, I'm like asking people, hey, can I put this uh, poster up in your window, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, heck, yeah, no problem. Oh, you're doing the show with Chekhov? Like, oh, who are you? Oh, I'm Joel. I'm doing this with this guy, Matt. Everywhere I went, people were extremely friendly. They were happy to, you know, like, meet me. I know uh, they were more than willing to either put up the poster in their place of business or at least talk to their manager because most of the time, you know, the people who are running the place aren't in there and, you know, we got the little lay people like us that can't really, well, we can make the decision, but we're not allowed to make the decision. You know, so, but everywhere I went, people were extremely happy to see me and stuff. And I was, I was thinking, I wonder how many other cities it would be like this. Would it, would it be difficult if, uh, if I was trying to start up a, a Philadelphia, uh, show on Philadelphia baseball? Could I go to individual business and, uh, like, and ask to put him in there? And I, I don't know. It, I was just really happy yesterday realizing that people in the city of Chicago, are extremely nice. Uh, without a doubt, it's got, you know, it's a big city. We have everything that you can possibly want in the city of Chicago in terms of, like, museums, food, culture, stuff to do. If you live in the city of Chicago and are bored, you're just a boring person, quite simply. Uh, but then again, we still have those down-home values. You know, we say hello to people. Uh, if you bump into somebody in the street, you know, if the one, if the guy isn't, you know, going to the Chicago public school, he won't kill you. If you're going to the Chicago public school, you might be in a little trouble. We will admit that here. We do have issues here in the city of Chicago. But if it isn't one of those things, you know, people are generally nice here. So I, I don't understand, like, the venom that you that you get from, uh, like, Philadelphia fans and, 
Yeah, I, I know it's a long time ago, but, you know, like San Diego fans were horrible to Cub fans during that playoff series. And there's always stories about, like, San Diego fans who who do, like, nasty stuff to, to opponents. And I'm thinking, what, what do people in San Diego have to be upset about? I mean, maybe their baseball team isn't the best in the world, but that's, that's like a world-class, grade-A, phenomenal city. It's absolutely fantastic. So I guess there's some things, David, that I just won't understand. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to start talking uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Forget the Philly fans are going to hang on. The Chicago Blackhawks are on the verge of history, and it feels real, real good. And, and for some way, I'm kind of glad we have an extra day to wait, make the anticipation go up a little bit. So uh, we're going to be back in just a little bit, talk about the David Bowens, the Dustin Bufflins, and the Patrick Haynes of the world. You listen to the morning break, two guys in a mic. I don't know if you're looking at the webcast and saying there's nobody there, but typically there's two guys, and one of the guys is always where he is, which is my home in Aurora, and the other guy, well, he's not going to be here today. The coach John Cohen. Be back in a little bit. Back on two guys, and I'm like, this is Joel Redwanski flying with David Olson, our producer, who's definitely doing a good job of helping me out today. The coach, John Cohn, well, you know what? He is a coach, and every once in a while, he can't show up in the studios because he's actually coaching. And uh, yeah, I talked to him off air yesterday, and he was really distraught about us uh, because he's right now he's coaching boys uh, for the Maccabi games, and and they go all over the country every year, and they uh, it's a it's like a, a one week a year thing where he goes out and actually uh, uh, coaches his team versus teams from like Baltimore, St. Louis, or, or New York. Uh, but yesterday he was telling me that his high school, his starting point guard 
decided not to go out for basketball this year. He was he was really distraught about it. So, so coach, just hang in there. Uh, I'm sure you'll figure something out. It'll be all right. So, uh, you know, you lose your point guard in high school. That can be very, very, very difficult. But uh, I'm sure you'll figure it out. Like, uh, you know, just watch a John Wooden interview or something. Read a book by John Wooden. I'm sure it'll teach you how to come through this particular uh, bit of adversity. And now moving to the Chicago Blackhawks, they're not really facing too much adversity now because uh, they are actually sitting pretty going into game six in Philadelphia. It would be awfully, awfully nice uh, to see them uh, get their first road win in this particular series because it would clinch it up and uh, let them hoist the Stanley Cup. But even if they don't win, for the first time in these playoffs, San Jose and, and now now, they have been playing fantastic at home. And if they're playing good, if they're playing well at home, it won't make a difference if they don't win number six uh, because they'll be at home for number seven. Now, obviously, I'm a, I'm a diehard Blackhawks fan. I don't want to have to deal with them, uh, you know, coming home for a, a game seven because I was literally sick to my stomach before game five because I was so nervous. I can't even imagine what it'd be like for game seven. But this team is doing the right things. They're taking care of home ice. Uh, if they do happen to slip up and not get it done tomorrow night, I'm sure they'll be able to figure out a way and, and get it done on Friday. But uh, this, the city of Chicago is going to be going crazy on Friday if that happens. And the, the one thing that I'm absolutely blown away that the Blackhawks have done is how many different players actually are big time for this particular team. You know, and it's, it's a lot of people have brought up that fact, oh, you know, we just thought it was uh, – uh, Taves and and Patrick Kane, and we knew Patrick Sharp was pretty good, and you know, host and makes all the money. But wow, here's Dustin Bufflin coming out of nowhere and actually playing phenomenal hockey. Well, well, you know, Dustin Bufflin, you know, he is playing well as of late, and there's no question about it. He has ten goals, and he he leads the Blackhawks in goals. What about David Boland? I mean, how many people really know knew who David Boland was nationally before the playoffs started? I mean, this guy has eight goals, and he's he's a grinder. He's a guy that uh, is going to be able. He's he's a guy that kills penalties. He's a guy that blocks shots. And all of a sudden, in the playoffs, this guy has eight goals. I mean, you start getting contributions like that from someone, you know, you have a good chance at at, at winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, David Bowen had a a goal the other day that was absolutely Gretzky Gretzky esque, and you know, normally, you know. You see, like, some players, like, they can just blast a, a flash shot by you or or they can make some phenomenal move in the middle of the ice. What Bowen did was he was able to – he was going behind the net after a, a deflection. He got a rebound, was going behind the net, and he decided to shoot the puck at the back of Leighton. I mean, how often does, do you see somebody do that? But it was such a, a beautiful shot for a simple fact. Is, hey, let's just make it an opportunity. He hits Leighton in the back of the leg. The puck goes in just because Leighton was a split second late of getting his foot back to the corner of uh, uh, of the post. And you get a goal. I mean, Wayne Gretzky would always do stuff like that just because he was good enough to control the puck. And at any place on the on the ice, you know, he would try to ricochet it off people and it would go in. Well, I mean, David Boland making plays that the great one would make, it just shows you that, you know, Maybe the Blackhawks don't have those great, great superstars, and the only reason why I feel they maybe don't have the great, great superstars because these guys are 21 and 22, the, the Taves and, and Canes of the world. But they do have ridiculous depth. 16 different players have scored for them. 
all the way down to the Jalmersons, who definitely in Game Five played a lot better than he did in, in Game Four, and I think that's the reason why the the Blackhawks now have a, a an edge in the series. Uh, uh, to people like Seabrook and Keith, I mean, they, they have defensemen who aren't just scoring like one or two game two goals over the course of this uh, playoff series. They are actually, you know, you talking about Seabrook has four. I mean, Duncan Keith has four. Uh, he's, I mean, they have so they're so spread out. They have so many different players that are getting it done that if you do have a, a supposed superstar in Marion Hosa uh, who might not be lighting up the the net every single game, but you have a superstar who's doing the, the grinder, dirty work type stuff in Marion Hosa that he doesn't have to score every day because they have so much depth and they have so many different players that are actually getting it done. This is, I think it's really good for hockey for the simple fact that uh, they have so many good players and hockey fans buy jerseys, you know, and it's not like everyone's going to buy the, the, the Crosby or Malkin Pittsburgh uh, Penguin jersey. You're going to see... You see 15 different types of jerseys when you go into the United Center. You'll see uh, a Burris jersey, Bowling jerseys, Broward jerseys. It, it, it doesn't matter. People are, get all different types of jerseys, and it's it's one of these things that hopefully Kane and Taves will be able to keep on getting better and really turn into those 50 goal a season uh, scores. Because as as much as I love the fact that the Hawks have all this depth, the way the salary cap is made. In the NHL, they're not going to be able to keep all these players. So they have to take advantage of the opportunity that they have right now. And by that, I mean win one of the next two games. And, and don't think of it that way. Think of it as just winning game six. Uh, because these players won't be around forever. And oh, this team definitely will not be around forever unless they want to take a lot less money or the hometown discounts to stay in the city of Chicago. So uh, all I can say is if you're a, a Blackhawk fan, if you're a sports fan here in the city of Chicago, definitely, definitely appreciate what you have right now because a lot of these pieces are going to be taken away every single year. So, uh, so I'm not trying to put a downpour on anything. We already have enough rain going on in the city of Chicago right now. Just just reminding people, definitely appreciate the team at hand because, uh, you know, this isn't the good old days where basically you own somebody or you owned a player for years. These players have to leave because of contract reasons. And the first and foremost one is the salary cap and revenue sharing, which came at the absolute worst time for this particular organization because they have a, a guy that's willing to pay players in Rocky Works. They have a guy that's willing to build an organization and do whatever it takes to win in Rocky Works. And now they have rules in the NHL, which basically takes a, a portion of how much money the Blackhawks brings in and distribute it to all the other uh cities in the NHL, and I'm talking about like the Nashvilles and the Atlantas and the Carolinas of the world. I don't know if they really even deserve NHL teams, but they're in the NHL. I, I do think there's way too many teams, but since you have to distribute all this money throughout the NHL, you can only pay your players a certain amount. So when you're a Blackhawks fan today, tomorrow night watching the game, win or lose, and if you have to watch them again on, on, uh, on Friday, just appreciate the, that this is the last time this team's ever going to be together. And it's not only do they play well together, you can see the crisp passing, uh, the way that they can switch lines mid-series and they do it consistently all year long and, uh, and are able to play with, with each other. These guys really do get along off the ice. They're, that's why I'm hoping that possibly, maybe, they will take some hometown, hometown discounts. And, and it's not like every single year we lose two or three of these players because 
family have so much money to spend. So, uh, don't you know? Maybe I should get off the high horse or whatever, uh, Dave. I just, I just reminded people the NHL is a little bit different, and the salary cap is pretty low. And with so many good players, it's really going to be difficult for the the Blackhawks to keep all these guys. And it's kind of sad, but just enjoy them while they're here. No, exactly. But the but the one the one thing you got to remember is that the Blackhawks have a very very talented front office. Uh, so if they end up losing people, they're going to find the right people to replace them. And I, they've given me no reason to think that if they end up winning things this year, they're going to be contender for the next four or five years. I I, 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 tr- I truly believe that. I believe it too, and I mean I do. I'm not, I'm not doubting anything you said. The only thing that I worry about in what you said is how much was that Dale Talon? Because Dale Talon is no longer the uh, the the Hawks GM, and you can say, well, he wasn't this year. Well, he was all the way up up until about 11 months ago, and it, he really did build this team. You know what? You know. Uh, Stan Bowman didn't just come in and, and build a team over the last 11 months. Dale Talon's taken over Florida. Uh, he's going to be the GM down there. And everybody admitted that, hey, you know what, he had a lot to do with this team. And I do agree with you. There's talented people in there, David, but I, that's the only little thing that I am worried about it is, like, how, was it really Dale Talon's leadership over the last couple of years that built this team? You know what I mean? Or, or, or was he just a piece that got it done? I, this isn't like the Cubs. Trust me, because as a Cub fan, whenever they have a chance to win, I'm like, oh, they got to win now because this is not the type of organization organization that perennially like replenishes uh, their farm system and brings up consistent players. You know, that, so I do realize that. Um, but you know, I just I'm just wondering like how much uh, like Dale Talon was in, how much it was all him. Was it all him or was it just? You know, he had really good scouts, and he made the right decision. If you understand where I'm, I'm you know, going, with I, that. no, I, I certainly think he was a piece. But you know, every every little move that they made brought them a step closer to where they are now. I mean, you remember the uproar when they fired Dennis Savard and brought in uh, Joe Quinville? Yeah, that was uh, at the, the beginning of last year. It was about like 15 games in the last season. Yeah, yeah, and uh, did City up in arms, but. Looking back on that, can you argue that decision right now? Are you kidding? I think it was about 25 games into them hiring uh, Quimble that people realized he, he, Quimble is just a phenomenal coach. And oh no, you're exactly you're exactly right. And so that was definitely a good decision. Okay, uh, it was uh, it was something that definitely has put them on the right path and uh, and has them in a situation where they seem to outplay. Everybody, and whether it be matchups or style or just decision making, he's he's had a phenomenal year as a coach. No, I mean Dale Talon ended up getting let go just for a simple fact that you know he didn't do the paperwork right or something like that, and uh, and he ends up having to give a little bit more money to a few particular Blackhawks because. Uh, well, I, I I think I I think that was I I think that was the justification, but I really don't think it was the reason. You know, it kind of seemed like as soon as they brought in Scotty Bowman as an executive consultant, he wanted to fill up the entire organization with his people. Uh huh. And well, you know, Dennis Savard, not one of his people. Dale Talon, not one of his people. 
And, you know, with, with Rocky up at the top, I think he, you know, said, well, okay, we're going to restructure the entire organization. And I, I think Dale Talon was a casualty of that whole movement. Yeah, I, I thoroughly and understand the Dennis Savard thing. And and you know how, and I was, I've said it in baseball, like when uh, the Orioles fired uh, Dave Trembley, I was like, oh, yeah, Andy McPhail fires a guy that can't win with a team that no one could win with. You know, and sometimes it should be the GM that gets fired before the before the general before the regular manager or the coach. But in, in this particular instance, you're talking about a guy that has set up all your scouts. So unless they, they are they going to fire all the scouts? Are they going to fire all the talent evaluators to go along with Dale Talent? Uh, I, I just I just found it a, a, a little bit. I, I almost thought it was like yeah they used that as an excuse, but is was that really the right move that when they did that? Well, yeah, well, yeah. The, 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 the next season will tell the tale. It really will. You know, when they start losing these people from their hopefully championship squad, let's see what they replace them with. Yeah, and th- that is key because uh, at least at least three important cogs of this particular team will not be coming back next year. And and it's not going to be because the the Blackhawks don't want them. It's going to be for the simple fact that the NHL has a setup that they won't be able to pay everybody you know, whatever their salary is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind being underpaid and, you know, like make $1.1 million a year. You know, I, I'd have no problem with that. So if so anybody wants to underpay me at that particular salary, uh, I'll be more than willing to take it. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't it feel good to actually talk about a chance. I mean, first of all, let them get it done, and they need to, to win four games in this series and make it 16 overall and, and hoist the cup. But the fact that we really are talking potential dynasty with this team. I mean, and it isn't just, hey, they won, so since they won, they have a chance to win next year. No, no, no. This team really does have a chance to, to put on like a 10-year stretch of where every single year they battle for the Western Conference and a right to go to the Stanley Cup uh, championship, to the Stanley Cup final. So it, it just feels good as a as a Chicago sports fan to say that because I, I do remember um, – I'm a little old now, but the 1985 Bears were the youngest team in the NFL. And everybody said, well, if they can replace Walter Payton, this team could go on a run unlike any team ever has in the history of the NFL. Well, I mean, maybe Neil Anderson wasn't Walter Payton, but Neil Anderson ended up being a pretty decent running back that they drafted the next year. Walter Payton was still there. And you know what? Bears never went back to a Super Bowl. At least not that particular team. It took them 21 years before they ever got back with uh, – Lovey Smith and Rex Grossman. So, and that's what, another reason. So we need to enjoy this. We need to really appreciate what's going on with the Chicago Blackhawks. But I do really believe that this is one of those times where um, it, it does feel like the 91 Bulls in a sense where this is just the beginning of something really, really great that's going to go down in this city. This isn't a, a flash in the pan team, and, and it's on so many levels. It's on the how the how well the upper organization has done for the Chicago Blackhawks. It is the fact that we have uh, we have a coach that really seems to be hard-edged and tough, yet he doesn't seem like he's like uh, like he pushes the guys too much. He expects excellence out of these guys, but he, you know he, he doesn't bash people in the press. He doesn't uh, really act like a bully or a jerk. He just expects these guys to play at a certain level, and if they don't, they'll get rid of you in a heartbeat. You know, he expects crisp passes at very, very, very crisp passes. And if you don't, if you don't do that, if you're sloppy with your passes, he'll scratch you and, and stitch you out and take playing time from you. 
and that's the last thing any of these guys watch. So they have all the pieces right now, David. And if they get it done today, I mean, if they get it done during this particular series, whether it's tomorrow or Friday, they will also have something else in the future. Maybe Niemi is just uh, an average goalie who's really hot right now and he's happy to get it done. But what they'll have is a goalie who has experience and winning the cup. And no matter what happens, if they can keep this guy around, just say like two, three years from now he has like a bad year and all of a sudden the playoffs start, no matter what, he can always fall back on the fact, you know what, I'm a Stanley Cup champion. And if you have that type of confidence as a goalie, that helps to be able to lay back and be like, you know, I can have a bad game. Because if I have a bad game, people will believe in me. I don't have to worry about getting booed off the ice. They're, they're going to have all the pieces in that particular sense. So uh, this could be one of the great runs ever in the history of Chicago sports, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting you bring up the whole confidence angle because I think that's what really put the Blackhawks over the hump around midseason. Because you remember how hot they started out the year. I mean, they were just unbeatable, and then you know neither one of their goalies could stop anything. And then all of a sudden, and it was probably uh, mid February, early March when anti right Niemi when they got back from the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, something something happened with Niemi where he just did get that confidence. And that's, I mean, that's what pushed him down the stretch run and, just, you know, let him one win away from the Stanley Cup, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is this is a team that, like, at the beginning of the year, I mean, they, they like, lost their last or the first home game. And then they won, like, like, 21 of their next, like, 22 home games. It was just a ridiculous streak of what the record was at home. And they came back, and then they were horrible after the, after the, the all-star, I was going to say all-star break, the Olympic break. And it probably has something to do with they had so many different players who actually played in the All-Star game. And then, I'm not sure what it was, but about two and a half weeks, three weeks after the All-Star break, all of a sudden they started playing good hockey again. And it all came from, okay, they named the Emmy the goalie. You're exactly right. It was like about two weeks before the the playoffs started. uh, They were just, I I guess Quinville was just sick of uh, of seeing a few ways play good one day and horrible the next day. He just named Niemi the, the starter, and, and he's gone with it. And the best thing about Niemi is no matter what, he's going to have bad games. If nobody's going to be perfect every single time that they go out there, if you're a goalie or if you're a pitcher or if you're a quarterback. Well, I guess if you're a Baldo Jimenez this particular year, you might be perfect every time you go out. But uh, he's able to rebound, and that is absolutely gigantic if you're a goalie. I'm not talking about let rebounds up because that's what he definitely doesn't want to do, but to be able to get up off the ice after you've had a bad game, that has been very, very key because if you can play a very good game after you played a bad one, you eliminate streaks, you eliminate any type of losing streaks, you eliminate the lack of confidence on your team, them having to change their style. So the fact that he has avoided any types of losing streaks and, and playing poorly for a significant, significantly long time has been gigantic for this team. And you know, no matter no matter what you say, as we sit back and look back at the playoffs, after the Nashville series, this team has been in control of all the series. And you could say, well, they, you know, Philadelphia tied it up 2-2. Well, the Hawks still had home ice, and, and the Hawks lost in ways that were... Uh, Let's just, I mean, I wouldn't want to say lucky because that's like a total slap in the face to the Flyers, but I wouldn't mind giving the, the Flyers a real slap in the face. But if, if you consider 
it wasn't like they got skated off the ice. It wasn't like they played absolutely brutal. John Mercer did in game four. But other than that, I mean, this team has been in control. And I'm going to have to say it's from it's Antiniemi. As this guy has been so consistent between the pipes, maybe he's the one who's going to end up with the Conn Smythe trophy. trophy. Now, that there has been a, a big battle because the, basically the Conn Smythe trophy is awarded to uh, the MVP of the playoffs. And, and right now, there is no clear-cut uh, leader in that terms for the Chicago Blackhawks. And if, if they get it done tomorrow night, uh, it's going to be a, a very cool vote to see if it's Bufflin or Taves or Sharp or Bolin or Niemi. And, and I guess because they have so many players who played well out in front of them and you really can't single one particular player out, I think they might end up giving it to Niemi. Now, who do you think is in the lead going into the, to the end of the cup run here? David, for actually getting the MVP of the playoffs for the Blackhawks. That's really a tough one. I, I mean, I, unlike any year that I can remember, I, and I, I always watch the NHL playoffs because even you know when I was mad about the blackout and the strike and all that that they've they've had in the past, it's hard for me not to watch uh, hockey. And I don't ever remember a year like this where it's not like oh who are you going to pick between these two guys or these three guys. It's all those guys I named have a legitimate shot at winning it. What about Duncan Keith? Maybe his numbers aren't all that great, but the, the defense he's played so far has been absolutely spectacular. So, <laughs> and that just pretty much goes to show like exactly what this team is facing in terms of re-signing these players. Because a lot of these guys aren't under contract next year. And it, it's a, it's a type of thing where if you look at their playoffs, you could, you could name seven guys that could possibly be the winner of the MVP, depending on what happens over the next one or two games. So. Yeah, yeah, I think, and I think that's what it's going to come down to is these next couple of games because, I mean, you got Taves, you got Bufflin, you got Niemi, you know, you, uh, Patrick Kane. I, it's, it's just it's unbelievable. So if uh, Niemi goes out there, stands on his head uh, on Wednesday, gets a shutout, you know, and the Hawks win like 2 nothing, and uh, it, it could be him, or if uh, maybe Bufflin gets in front of the net, Gets a, uh, you know, gets one wrister and gets two deflections. He gets a Hattie, which means I'd have to come do the show in the big buff, which I know you're, you won't be very happy with on Thursday. No, uh, no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, it could go to Bufflin. I mean, Taves has a big game. It could go to him. I, I will have to admit, if it's like Keith or Boland or Sharp, who who have very, very good numbers so far in the playoffs, they would have to have a huge game in in the closeout game in order to uh, uh, to grab the consmite, but. It's a, it's an interesting story, interesting side. Like the, the thing that is foremost of any importance is the fact that uh, they get the fourth win in the series and actually hoist the cup. But you know what? That's that's what we do here. We talk sports, try to bring up different angles, and that's exactly what we're doing here, uh, talking about the the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and and to me, that that it's a little bit of history. It's it's pretty important. And also, if you think about it, whoever wins this. You know, they're going to get paid. You know, Dustin Bufflin is a free agent. This is, it might sound really, really strange. Whether he wins the award or not, it won't make a difference on how he actually played. You know, putting a medal on somebody didn't mean they did more or less. It just meant somebody put a medal on you, whether you know, deservedly or not deservedly, even if he does deserve it. If Dustin Bufflin ends up winning the Conn Smythe Trophy, well, the Hawks have to resign this guy. And all of a sudden, his value goes up just because somebody gave him an award. And it won't change how many goals he had, his, his impact on the series, which has been huge. 
not knocking that at all. It's just it's, it's kind of funny. If he gets that Conn Smythe trophy, if he was going to get like a four-year, $10 million deal in the NHL, all of a sudden he's going to get a five-year, $16 million deal. I mean, this could be worth – it could be worth millions to one of these guys, especially if they're a, a free agent. So and maybe in some weird way, they, I, we need Jonathan Tays to have like a hat trick in game six, finish him off. We've got Jonathan Tays signed up for the next, uh, like what, 10 seasons or nine seasons. It would be awful nice not to have to worry about paying some extra guys a couple million dollars and losing maybe a, a Versteeg or something like that because they can't afford to pay all these guys. Just throwing it out there, Hawks fan. So, uh, one eight eight, go for it, or one eight eight eight, go for it. Um, you listen to two guys in the mic. This is Joel Wardwanski with David Olson. I uh, appreciate you doing the show with me today, David. Uh, the coach, John Cohn. Coaching up uh, the Maccabi games right now, getting it done for uh, all the young Hebrews here in the city of Chicago. So, well, I guess we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk a little baseball, if that's okay with you, David Olson. Looking forward to it, big dog. Heck yeah. You're listening to the two guys and the mic. I'm back in a flash. Hockey buzz here in the city of Chicago. Uh, can't forget that we do have two baseball teams, even though right now the city of Chicago wants us to forget that we have two uh, baseball teams. Two guys in the mic moves over to our uh, black and blue teams, as Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. Tonight at U.S. Cellular Field, hopefully the White Sox will be having a game. Hopefully it clears up because it's been raining. Hopefully rain all afternoon and have a beautiful night. But Gavin Floyd takes on the all-charming, all-good guy, Armando Galarraga, in his first start since the near-perfect game. Or let's just call it a perfect game. He deserves it. I mean, the guy pitched absolutely phenomenal. So this is going to have a, a real big game feel to it. This isn't your typical, oh, Armando Galarraga versus Gavin Floyd. There's going to be a lot of media there. There's going to be a little bit of buzz around the park. So hopefully the White Sox get that feel and can actually – uh, start turning things around because they need to do it now. Folks, they are nine and a half games behind the Minnesota Twins. Oh, excuse me, eight and a half games behind the Minnesota Twins. They're only a game ahead of the Royals. So right now the, the White Sox season is on the brink. They, they're in a position now if they don't start winning games, they will start selling people off. So when, when Armando Galarraga actually comes in, it, 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 this will have a big game feel to it. Hopefully this is something that the White Sox can actually can actually use. And I'm also I'm also interested to see how Armando Galarraga uh responds to this. So, you know, the fact that uh you know he was able to do everything it took for him 
to get a perfect game the last time he was out. For him to get the out, the 28th out after the blown call, you know, you know that that shows a little, uh, you know, intestinal fortitude. But let's see how he pitches after, because there was a day of rest for the Tigers in the middle of this. He's had five days since that happened. Let's see how he uh, pitches with all the hype around him, with all this national media attention. Uh, hopefully he doesn't handle it as well as he handled the situation with James Joyce and the, the White Sox can get to him. And they really, really need to. Uh, they need an all-around effort. They need uh, the offense to show up big. You know, they, it's an every-other-day thing for the offense. And without a doubt, they need a good start from Gavin Floyd. I, this guy has shown so much throughout his career, yet he's been one of the most inconsistent pitchers uh, that I can ever remember on the South Side. Uh, David Olson, you're, you're a Sox fan. What are your feelings about Gavin Floyd in the season he's having so far? Two and six with a 6.64 ERA. Needs a change of scenery. And as a, so- as a Sox fan, I am all for breaking up the band. I mean, okay. I would, I would, I would, I would fire sale these guys. I would, I would lose Gavin Floyd. I would lose John Danks. I would lose AJ Przinsky, and I'd even see what's out there for Burley to tell you the truth. Whoa, whoa, no, those, those are, those are big words, by the way. And I, and I hate to tell you the change of scenery for Gavin Floyd right now. You know, this has been ten years ago. There's, there seems to be a lot of pitchers everywhere around baseball, Dave. So if, if Gavin Floyd's going to get a change of scenery, it might be him going to Charlotte as in terms of sending him to the minor leagues. I don't know if they can get anybody for a trade for him. Now, as, as a Cub fan, I've never seen the whole fire sale trade, and, and I would be all for it in some particular years. You as a Cub I mean, a White Sox fan, you've, you've seen it before, and, and the White Sox will be willing to admit, hey, we can't win the World Series this year, so we're going to try to set up our team so we can maybe win it in another year, which is one thing I wish the Cubs would do one year. Please do that for us. Because, right. Well, I know. mean, the difference between this uh, this fire sale and the previous one is, like, you know, they had all the pieces and they got rid of the pieces. This uh, this team, they're not going to do anything with it. I'm sorry. You, you experimented with it and you hoped that some of these big-name free agent acquisitions were going to pan out. Uh, and there were a lot of glaring gaps in this team at the beginning of the season. And, you know, Kenny Williams is like, well, I think we've got a good team on paper, which on paper it was. But unfortunately, you don't play these games on paper. The experiment failed. Let's start looking towards next year because you're not yeah. going to you're not going to make the playoffs and you're not going to make any noise in your division. You, no, got too, you got you got too much ground to catch up on. You really do. And, and, I, and I totally agree. And if you don't start making up the Making it up now, it's not going to happen. Uh, very rarely do you ever see teams come down uh, ten games in the middle of July and make up that difference. It, it just doesn't happen. So, like, right, right. And to, I mean, with this team, have you even seen a glimmer of hope? You haven't. Yeah. And th- and that's the thing. They're they are not a good baseball team. They're just not. Yeah, they've had no uh, consistent trend of any kind. Now they have Alex Rios having a great year. Uh, and other than that, they really don't. I mean, they don't have anything. You're, you're starting pitching has an ERA of 5.54 so far this season, David. I mean, how does that? This was supposed to be one of the best pitching staffs in the game of baseball. And on talk- paper, <laughs> you bring back on paper. Oh, well, was, absolutely. Yeah, a, a lot of things had to pan out. And, and, and you and know, they- unfortunately, you know, Jake Peavy didn't pan out the way you wanted him to. He really didn't. And he hasn't panned out. And but I do appreciate the fact that, you know, you're willing um, to get rid of something because you're, you're going to be a Sox fan every single year on April 1st, the rest of your life. So uh, 
but but Danks and Burley, I understand AJ because you know what? So you know, supposedly you have uh, this Flowers kid who's going to end up being a really good catcher in the minor leagues. Uh, there's other guys that you, you have that are in the minor leagues that play catcher that could be good down the road. I understand getting rid of AJ, but Burley and Danks. I mean, I, I didn't I say get rid of him. I say, I say, fl- I say float them so out there and see what you can get. Decently cheap next year. I said, you and know, Burley is what seven and fifteen since the perfect game, but you, you don't he, believe that he's going to be able to turn it around. You, well, you float it out there, see what you can get for him. I'm not saying you give him away. You you float it out there. Okay. You see, so, you see what's out there. Because yeah, I, no, no. Because I will say, I mean, he's the one cog you don't want to lose. Because I mean, he's your number one, and he's going to remain your number one for. He he's got he's got some good years left in that arm. But you nothing should be off the table at this point. Nothing should be off the table. Yeah, if if things can work out well for the the White Sox, they'll be able to to trade Tenerco to the Angels. That would that would really be a a, a big boon for them because the, the Angels need a first baseman. Uh, it, I just. It, Mark Burley has so much left, I think. And what I'm afraid of is he did sign a no-trade clause in that four-year, $56 million deal that they gave him a couple years ago. And basically what that no-trade clause means is I will only go to St. Louis because he's a diehard Cardinals fan, grew up in the the Missouri area. So as a a diehard Chicago Cubs fan, I'll be more than happy to have Mark Burley pitch for the Cubs, I mean, pitch for the White Sox and only face the Cubs once a year in the Crosstown Classic and whoop their butt, which he seems to do every single year, than have him pitch for the Cardinals, face the Cardinals 18 times a year, which means four or five times a year that he whips the Chicago Cubs. So please, as a Cub fan, do not trade him because he's only going to St. Louis, and I don't want to have to deal with him wearing Redbird, uh, the, the, the red of the dead bird. So please, please don't. If you trade him, don't trade him to that particular team. Yeah, but this is an extremely important uh, part of the season for uh, uh, Chicago teams because it's basically sink or swim, and it's especially for uh, the Chicago White Sox, I think, because uh, as much as like they're, they're, the Cubs and White Sox records are very similar, but you, you talked about it. They really hasn't they haven't shown you anything on the south side really that maybe there should be a glimmer of hope. For the Cubs, half the team has played really well to show you glimmer, and then the other half has played absolutely brutal. And that uh, the half that has played brutal are their, quote, stars, unquote. I mean, so uh, the Lees, the Ramirez of the world, they really haven't done anything yet. Zambrano, all these high-paid guys. So in a sense, as a Chicago Cubs fan, we're sitting here thinking, this team has a chance because we're getting production from guys we're not supposed to. Uh, the Birds, the Colvins, the Sean Marshalls of the world, whenever the so-called stars actually start playing, maybe this team has a chance to win. So uh, I, I can see as a White Sox fan, you'd be more willing to blow it up. And as a Cubs fan, I'd be willing to blow it up too. I just, I, I would hope in, uh, in July, middle of July, if they're still in a situation where they're, uh, you know, six and a half games behind two teams, you know, they're going to think they still have a shot. And that's just the way the Cubs have always been. Uh, but if they don't blow it up, I'd, I'd have no problem with it, uh, David. It has been an issue in my life. There's been many times I'd want them to blow up, and they and they don't. I have no idea why. Philosophically, they won't do it. I guess they just want to keep on selling tickets to the people that come in from Iowa and Michigan. But uh, all I know is this: they in the, they're in Milwaukee today, and we have uh, Ted Lilly going up against Giovanni Gallardo, and hopefully Ted Lilly can get his second win of the year. He's one in five, but he has pitched better than that. 
And uh, but he won't be out there by himself. So he'll have a team around him. Hopefully they can get it done. And uh, Dave, you know, I, I wasn't out here by myself. I had you with me, and hopefully uh, we were able to get it done. And, and I do apologize for being totally unprepared to do uh, like for driving the show today. But I do appreciate all. Well, the I, I'm going to float out a topic of conversation for tomorrow. The reason the Cubs won't blow it up is because they're more concerned about putting the butts in the seats than they are putting a winner on the field. Uh, and Dave, and as a diehard Cubs fan, I'm going to have to tell you something. I'll be more than willing to talk about that, and uh, we will definitely talk about that tomorrow on, on Two Guys in the Mic because I hate to tell you, I couldn't agree more with that particular statement. But thank you very much. Uh, you're listening to TalkZone.com. That was David Olson producing the show and filling in for every single little bit I needed for information and feedback. Uh, this is me filling in for the coach, John Cohen. I'm Joel Redwanski, and we'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thank you, everybody.